Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. We are in hazy, smoky Portland, for week five of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. We have done an entire month of shows, and we are starting month two with another on-location show, but it's not a podcast takeover show per se. It kind of just worked out this way. Yeah, we, we had a bit of a crazy schedule these last couple of weeks, for those who don't know. Uh, last week's podcast was recorded three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. And uh, Patrick was gone the week after that, and then mm. I was gone the week after that. So this podcast, which is dropping on Thursday, was recorded on Wednesday, Yeah, <laughs> one day before. So we got one day to edit it, and then we're going to try to catch back up and get ahead again, because Patrick has a lot of busy things coming up this month as well. Yeah, like all things, you know, we were excited to start, and we got ahead of the game, and everything was great, and it didn't take long for us to just start slacking off. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Not slacking off intentionally, because uh, I, I want to talk about my week in beer, because mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting before we dive into our topic today. Um, actually, before that, thank you for listening iTunes, Google Play, oh, 1080thefan.com yeah. is where you, you can You guys find are us. the best. Yes. Uh, cannot forget to thank the listeners. Uh, please rate, subscribe, review on iTunes and Google Play and wherever you find it. And uh, our Twitters are at MikeLynch27 and Patrick's at PDD085. You can tweet us about the podcast and any suggestions you have there. We take all suggestions, so feel free to tweet us there and uh, let us know what you think. I'll also take a shout-out for the Instagram. You can find me on PDD085 on Instagram as well. That's um, where he does more of his posting. Yeah, a lot. Of, I do a lot of beer stuff on there and then sprinkled in uh, with my cat. So, sorry. You got to deal with Ray. His cat is named Ray after, of course, Star Wars Ray. And as you will, I'm sure, find out over the course of the length of this podcast, not today, but just in general, Patrick is a Star Wars diehard. Uh, I prefer the term aficionado. You are an aficionado. <laughs> hey, I said diehard, not nerd. That is true. <laughs> but you would also say, yeah. I would have accepted nerd. I am a nerd. Um, so my week in beer this week. I went to Las Vegas for six days. Hot Vegas. It was very hot. It was 105 degrees every day. It was hot here. Don't worry. Um, But what I was really curious about when I went there is I know that Vegas is a worldly place. People from all over the world go there to visit. Mm -hmm. All over this country go there to visit. And I know that outside of our little bubble here in the Northwest and a couple of other pockets around the country, craft beer has still not fully permeated. We've talked about this. It's, it's breaking through a little bit here, yep. but generally, we live in such a great bubble here where we leave and we're like, wait, what? You have one beer that's not one of the big beers? You get shocked by that. But I went to Vegas expecting that. I went yeah. to Vegas going, I am going to have beer that is not the best. Or I'm going to have to choose beer that I don't want to choose. But I was pleasantly surprised, and that's why I want to talk about it. Because we stayed at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, my wife was there for a conference, and that was where they put us up, which was super nice because it's a nicer new hotel. And 
I went down to the sportsbook bar one night when she had dinner with her clients, and I was just by myself talking to people, watching some baseball. They had a tap list, 12 taps long, that included beer from Seattle, California. I didn't see any Oregon beers on there, but, um, you know, craft beer places. Yeah. And I had, like, five Elysian Space Dust IPAs there, <laughs> which is like a 9% beer anyway. I got lit up at that bar. Hi, we're but in it was, Vegas. It was nice to kind of have that option available to me because yeah. I like Space Dust a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go with this. Yeah, you were saying there was some California beers? There were. Um, that was the thing is they sold them. You as didn't pass up on Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, did you? I had a Sierra Nevada Pale okay, good. at the first place we went, actually, uh, in, in the Cosmo. I liked that one a lot. I, that's I don't not, think I can ever say no to that beer. That's one that, as you know from me, I would not normally choose a pale. And I'm pretty sure I've had it before in a bottle at like a party or something, but I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever ordered it for myself. Mm. And when I saw it at one of the places, it was our first night there. We got there super late. It was like 11 p.m. we landed. And we just went down to kind of learn the layout of the casino because we didn't want to get lost in our own hotel. <laughs> and we sat down at a bar, and they had Sierra Nevada Pale. And I got a couple of those. And I, was, I couldn't have been happier with the, with the choice I made. Cool. Good for you. There was also a place um, called Hofbrauhaus. Hofbrauch. Which is, I guess, originally a, a brewery from Germany. Mm-hmm. And they have kind of – it's kind of become a chain or at least a multiple location place that has some in, in the U.S. But uh, they had a spot – in Vegas, and we went there for the first night because it was my wife's parents, one of their favorite places. Uh, my dad or her dad's originally from Germany, so there's a little bit of a connection there. That was a really cool place. Cool. They had a really big German theme. They had the German beer was really good. They had one where they mixed their their Hef and their I want to say it was their Dunkel. They mixed it together into a beer, which was really really interesting. Huh. I think I just got the Dunkel when I went, um, but it was it was quality beer, and they gave it in like giant German steins. Well, of course, yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah. You have to drink beer. I wanted way. Das Boot, but uh, they they didn't have Das Boot on the menu, so um, that's what I wanted. How about your beer week? Uh, my beer week uh, <clears throat> was interesting and and fun. This is one of uh, one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite weeks of the year, uh, more pertaining to why I love my job and the location that I work. So we're very fortunate. Uh, GABF is coming up, the Great American Beer Festival. And uh, because we have the space down in our Milwaukee location, we basically send this invite to people in southwest Washington. Uh, and then as far south as Eugene and Bend and Hood River and the coast as well. <coughs> Excuse me to uh, go ahead and bring all of their submissions to GABF to the Milwaukee location. We keep it cold, and then we palletize it, and then we ship it all to Colorado. Again, part of the culture thing, everybody trying to help each other. And then, you know, everyone's billed through, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's all taken care of. Uh, But what's really fun about it is all of these, they're dropped off most of the time by a lot of the brewers themselves. And so, you know, company policy is, you know, if, if a brewer walks into that location, you know, they drink on us. Yeah. And so... Beers on us. And so I just spent, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday down there with all these brewers from all these breweries coming in and sitting having pints. And, and it's really cool. I get to see a lot of people that I know in the industry that I don't get to see a whole lot and then meet some new faces and, and put some names to faces and things like that. And uh, it's always really, really fun. That does sound fun. That's really cool that you guys do that for people. It's a because I'm sure that's actually a pretty decent cost to to ship that. Oh to Colorado. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there was probably you know anywhere from forty to fifty breweries, maybe even more. 
wow. shown up with anywhere from two to four cases. Depends How many on, hours did you work? I don't know. Not that much. Oh. I mean, I, I mean, that just sounds like a lot a lot well, of time to spend <clears throat> there in chat. Well, there's you get 24 taps, and I mean, yeah, we just drink. Okay, so it's not so, really working. Yeah, I mean... That's kind of how I view my job. <laughs> well, I like why, my job. That's why it's a good job. I work really hard, but you know, my <laughs> job's fun. I, the, the, the perks are great. So I don't know. I don't know if we're planning on doing an episode on GABF. We might because you're actually going. To yeah, it. I get to go this year. I'm um, pretty excited. But I'm very curious about how that all works. So maybe we'll save it for that episode. <laughs> but like, how do they? Do you trust the judges? How do they get judges? How do they score the beers? So maybe we'll save that all for that. But I have so many questions because you're shipping them all now. Yeah. For the beers, they're going to be. Entered. Yeah, in a month. In a month. Yeah, competitions in a month. So maybe we'll save it for then, but that's that's cool. really interesting to me. Uh, this week's podcast is something that I do not know a lot about. I'm a little bit of a fish out of water right now. Um, we are currently on location, if you couldn't tell by the music playing through the microphones and by the quality of the microphones that we're using. We are at Saraveza, which is in North Portland on North Killingsworth. It is one of Patrick's favorite spots to be. Uh, it is not my favorite spot. It's just where I, like, drunkenly show up every day. One of <laughs> your favorite spots to be. Nah, this is home. This is my home away from home. And uh, we are going to be chatting with Sarah, who is the owner of the place, mm-hmm. correct? Hence the yep. name Sarah Veza, uh, coming up uh, in the next segment. But uh, we came out here because the topic of the show this week was bottle shops. Mm-hmm. And for me, living out in the burbs... This is not really a thing that we have. Right. Uh, there's one by me. It's called Westgate Tap House and Bottle Shop, and mm-hmm. they've got a ton of bottles in there, but it's it's different. It's kind of a restaurant with a bottle shop attached to it. This here, it's a bar, mm-hmm. but it's not, but it is. So this is this whole topic is totally out of my world. So for me, I'm just going to ask a lot of questions this, this podcast. Yeah, you're totally fine. This is actually probably more in my wheelhouse than breweries. Uh, just to be honest, because this is going to bottle shops all the time. This is this was my introduction into really the craft beer world. So, like, <clears throat> actually, I shouldn't say introduction. I should say catapult, because I think drinking craft beer for a long time, you know, and I would see things. I would go places and see things on tap. And then when I moved when I moved back home, uh, I started to realize, oh man, there are places that literally specify in this. And they become neighborhood, and <clears throat> they all have their own kind of identity. Some of them do food, some of them don't. Some of them are just tap houses. Some of them are bottle shops as well. Um, but I moved in. I moved down. This, I moved two blocks away from Cervase after a really nasty breakup, and I was wandering the neighborhood. So I was like, "Oh man, I need. I'm just gonna figure out the neighborhood. I'm all wall. Woe is me, down on myself." And I walked by, and I walked by this place, and I looked in the windows, and I was like, "Oh, they sell beer to go, huh?" craft beer well, i should probably check this place out and i walked in the door and i was like wait a sec they have beer on tap too wait the bartender asked me if i want some food what the hell's going on <laughs> this is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life and and so that's kind of what what drew me to this place i mean it was definitely more because this is you know this is my neighborhood this is where i live this is where i spend all my free time uh but what's so great about it is it is it is that these places kind of create a safe atmosphere for beer drinkers because they have so much to offer. And especially this place, you know, they have, let's see, one, two, three, four. They have ten beers on tap, and it's all different styles. And then the coolers are full of different beers that you can, you know, if you don't see something you like on tap, you can go through the coolers and grab something, and, you know, the bartender will crack it for you. You can drink it on the spot. Um, 
if you walk into this place, if you walk into really any bottle shop and you can't find a beer that you want to drink, you don't like beer. I mean, this has everything for you. So that little monologue right there, that spiel, if mm-hmm. you will, get some of the Yiddish in there, um, it opened up like 10 questions in my head. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start with one. Go for it. You said it creates a safe space for beer drinkers. Mm-hmm. We are in a city in Portland, Oregon, that is already kind of a safe space for beer drinkers. Mm-hmm. What makes a place like this that much safer, quote-unquote, air quotes, you can't see it, than anywhere else in the city? Well, I think, first and foremost, you have variety. Um, you're going to be able to find anything, anything you want. Like I said, you know, if whatever kind of style you want, you're going to be able to find. And usually, even, I mean, these places even carry cider, too. So if you're not if, if we walk in, you like beer, I don't. I like cider. I'm gonna find something. Ha! <laughs> so I think I can't imagine that ever being a thing. <laughs> well, you know, I gotta you know use examples. Um, and so I think that that's a good spot. Number two, for the most part, there are some expe- ex- uh, exceptions. You know, every every place is run differently. Um, I can only speak necessarily to my experience here and some other couple places. But you know, the staff, you know, the staff that works at these places, they work here because they love beer. You know, it's not like I serve at a restaurant just because I'm trying to make money. You know what I mean? I'm sure there are people in this business that still do that. But for the most part, people that work in bottle shops, they work there because they love beer. So when you come to them, whether it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm really looking for like a Saison, but I want something super dry I don't, and no fruit. They're going to be like, oh, maybe I'll steer you this way. Or you can walk in and be like, I only drink Hefeweizen. Um, what can you give me? And they're going to be like, oh, this way. And that's what I mean by safe is that you have usually in these places, you have a very educated staff that wants to help you, that wants to create this great environment for you. And it opens doors as a beer drinker. And you're just going to start trying new things. That's what I got from here. So then you mentioned neighborhood as well being important. Now, I guess this is more of a broad topic discussion based thing, not just necessarily a direct question, but this, there are a lot of these in the city, Mm -hmm. a lot of bottle shops, a lot of tap houses. And like I said, not much in the burbs compared to here. So there are a lot of these. So you're not going to make a name over other bottle shops in the city. In my opinion, I feel like you would just be that neighborhood's place to go drink beer. So people who live near where you live, Mm -hmm. up here in North Portland, uh, within a couple mile radius, are coming to Saravesa. Because it is the neighborhood bottle shop. Is that? Am I kind of saying that right? Is yeah, that kind of the right vibe? Yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, we talked about this with uh, we talked about this with breweries and how when breweries move into a neighborhood, it can kind of create identity with the neighborhood. Right, but a brewery is still its own unique. They only brew their beer, whereas this is a bajillion options all around you. Totally agree. Totally agree. However, what I will say is, yeah, I mean, there's you know whether you're beer mongers on on division. You know, Bridgetown on Mississippi, Cerveza on on Killingsworth or John's Market, uh, that those places they all still kind of represent the neighborhood, even though they're they're kind of different, you know. I you know, I live I live in North Portland. There aren't where I live there aren't many breweries directly near me. Okay. I have Lucky Lab. I have a Lucky Lab location two blocks from my house. So that's all I've got. But you know, when someone says when we were talking, oh, there's, you know, breweries in all these kind of neighborhoods. If you're on Mississippi, there's Stormbreaker and Ecliptic. That's two, and they're two really prominent breweries. You know, I'm like, I live in North Portland. I have I have Lucky Lab, but I also have Cerveza. And people were like, whoa, oh, cool. It's like when you're on Belmont, you know, and you get deeper into East Belmont. There's not a ton of breweries over there, but I got Belmont Station right next door. And people are like, oh, it almost suffices that same, that same need for a brewery in a neighborhood. So why do you think some... 
of the bottle shops and tap houses out there choose the the options that they have whether that means they do serve food they don't serve food they only do bottles they only have taps why do you think they choose that and in your opinion what's the best way to go about that well i think this is going to be a great question that we should ask sarah as well um i think i think it boils down to understanding clientele i think it also boils down to just what do you want i mean when you decide to do a restaurant when you add food into the game that that's a whole new overhead. That's a whole new process. Now you're paying a chef, cooks, equipment, da 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 da, food costs, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think a lot of it boils down to what the neighborhood needs. I mean, when I first started coming here, and what I what I noticed was there wasn't a ton of food options on around here, and so because of that. I came here and had the food, and I still think to this day this is some of the best food in North Portland, uh, especially on Killingsworth. And so it kind of you got to kind of look around the neighborhood and see what's going on. Like um, you know Belmont Station, they don't have food, but they have a food cart right next door. It's kind of just how much is it about beer? How much is it about environment? How much is it about atmosphere? Is kind of what I would say. And then when when I'm asking the question about what is the right choice to make in terms of the types of beer you have? Because here, they have bottles, they have cans, they have a tap. They have all sorts of different options for you to to partake in, and they, they open the bottles for you if you want to drink it here, mm-hmm. and that's really cool. Um, again, this is a totally new world for me. Right. So is that common? Do they let you drink the bottles you buy in-house and open it for you and sit at the bar? Sit at the, Without at the a tables? doubt. That, that's okay. a standard operating procedure. I mean, that's that's how things... That's how things work in this because when you see who's when you see things on tap and you know if you don't necessarily like what's on tap I mean what's fun about walking into a to a bottle shop that's not going to let you drink beer you know what I mean so I think I think you'd be very silly and I don't I don't I actually don't know any place in this city and I think it would be an absolute terrible idea for any person to decide to deny you uh, drinking the beer in the place. I think that's the whole point. Like I was saying about variety and selection, it's like, you know, I'm looking at what's on draft right now, and there's a couple things I'd be interested in, but, uh, you know, nothing was really talking to me. So I'm kind of like, oh, my next beer, yeah, I might pull from the shelf. Uh, Another question I had, too, was about the prices. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was looking at some of the bottles and the cans that were around, especially right. some of the nicer bottles. Mm-hmm. Like those are pretty spendy bottles that you that you're getting there. Yeah, and uh, I'm curious about the pricing aspect versus just a regular bar or a brewery in, in itself, and, well, and what is a smart decision. We can also ask Sarah about that as well. Yeah, I think I think that is what separates these places from so many others, because these places allow you to have the opportunity to drink something so when you see something that is that is pricey in a bottle shop that's because it's some serious barrel aged style beer whether it's a dark beer a sour or something like that that when you go into you know if you go into a, a dive bar or you know thirsty line for example we're not necessarily they're not necessarily pouring a bourbon barrel aged stout on draft like right. there's not a lot of draft options on that so what a lot of times you can do is you can come in and as a as a as a barrel aged sour drinker like myself, I can come in here with two other people, and we can say, "Oh, okay, so this bottle is going to cost us, you know, eighteen bucks. Uh, you guys want to share? 
You guys want to share this with Ooh, me? Ooh, okay. And so it, it gives you the opportunity to try beers that you would never really get to try. And as far as, you know, prices in relation to other shops, I mean, it, the market's the market. You know, everybody buys the beer at the same price, so it's about their markup. And everybody knows that if they market up too high, that people are going to go other places. So I would say, you know... Prices are basically the same from shop to shop. Now, how important to you is also the vibe of a place like this? Because we talked about how it has to fit into the neighborhood mm -hmm. and obviously good people, good good food or beer options and all that kind of stuff. But just sitting here, right? We're at a table right now. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of bottle caps kind of built between the glass on mm -hmm. the table. They had like seven coasters of different breweries when we sat down. Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously, they've got the most of the beer places in this town have this, but beer stickers all over the place. Right, the cans are right up front when you walk in. Um, you know, bar, couple of booths, all that kind of stuff. Kind of that, the old-fashioned brick inside vibe. How important is that, or do you think that's just like? That's eh, an added plus to a place that has good people and good good food. Well, I mean, for a place like a bottle <clears throat> shop, especially. If we take this place for example, um, this place it's an added bonus. I mean, Sarah's built this as a Wisconsin themed um, beer bar. Um, it's a huge Packer bar. People line up outside an hour and a half, two hours before Packer games just to get in here to watch Packers and stuff like that. And they do pasties. They got a big Midwest style uh, menu, and so then that has a little niche to it. But I think what a, I think the biggest thing that boils down to me, there are bottle shops in this town that I love going to. There are bottle shops in this town that I do not go to. And, uh, you know, some of them are prominent. And I think a lot of it has to do with the type of people that hang out and the staff. I think, to me, the staff is one of the bigger things. Because when I walk in, I, I want to be taken care of no matter where my range of beer is. I do not want to be looked down on because I only like Blue Moon, you know, and I don't want to be, I don't want my butt kissed because I only want to drink Belgian Trappist beers or getting all fancy and snooty and stuff like that. I want somebody that truly loves beer that is going to take care of me and you and everybody else and create a positive environment because that's what beer is. We're trying to have a good time. There is no, unfortunately, there is too much of it, and I think, I think it runs rampant in bottle shops. There's too much arrogance. There's too much ego to where the places that I enjoy going to are places that just love beer and want to talk beer. And it's like the bartender can be like, I love this beer. You should try this beer. And I can try and be like, I don't care for it. And they're like, oh, that's crazy. Ha, ha, ha. It's not just like, oh, you don't like that? Mm, you Bye. should probably leave now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, though, because we've talked about how the breweries themselves are so welcoming. They want people to come in. They want them to learn the beer. Where is that extra ego coming in when you open up your own personal bottle shop or you or you hire people to work at a bottle shop why I, is that separating itself? i think it can slide in because in a bottle shop you're trying to find the best of the best you're trying to provide the consumer the best product that you can find on the market in the style that they want so it's not when you walk into a lot of bottle shops it's not just like here's 30 random ipas you know pick one see what you like it's different than like a grocery store a grocery store is going to sell you a lot more on name brand a grocery store is going to say hey you know this this brewery you know this brewery to where a bottle shop is going to have a little of that sprinkled in but also hey have you ever heard of matchless hey have you ever heard of rubens you know stuff that the average consumer might not know and so then you can say hey they've got this they've got six packs of this beer that i've never heard of over here 
uh, hey, bartender, what what's with this? Is, is this any good? And he's like, oh, I had one yesterday. I really like it. Tastes like this, tastes like that. And so I think once you start pulling from all the best stuff, when you kind of see this sheet and you are saying, I want some of this, I don't want that, but I want some of this, but I you know, want more of that. Hey, is there any more of this left? That it can kind of create, because you're getting the best of the best of every other brewery, it can create a little arrogance. It can create a little ego, like, we only have the best beer. Well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm really jealous that you have this right down the street from you because <laughs> I really don't have options like this out by me. I have a, I have a growler place, which mm-hmm. I guess is similar. They have beer like this, yeah. but it just doesn't feel the same as when I'm here. Right. Right. And there's nice people there, and it's, it's just different. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I'm a little bit jealous about that. So support your local bottle shop or tap room if you've got one near you. And... Um, Make sure you find a place that fits your personality that you can feel comfortable going to on a weekly basis if you'd like. I almost prefer coming to bottle shops than to breweries. I think I might have mentioned this before. I mean, there are some breweries that I do really, really enjoy and think across the board all their beer is great. But what I love about coming here is I, you know, I'm, I'm drinking a Rubens beer right now. We're about to drink a different beer in the beer of the week later on in the in the podcast. And, you know, when we sit down with Sarah, I might be drinking a beer from a different brewery. And and there's just, I just, I really enjoy that. It lets me bounce around. And this is actually how I discovered all these breweries. So when someone's like, hey, have you heard of this brewery? It's like, yep. That's where my arrogance comes in. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The way you said that was very like, duh. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where my, now I try not to like impo- superimpose that on somebody like I'm better than you. But it's like, yeah, that's how I'm, that's how I'm able to discover you know, these new breweries is because I go to these places instead of hearing from, you know, from my head brewmaster or from somebody else. Hey, this is this up and coming brewery out of this city, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, I was able to to hear about this brewery because I saw somebody roll in with some package or a draft at a bottle shop. Right. Today we've seen probably six or seven different breweries roll in with their delivery today yeah, yeah. already. Mm-hmm. So the freshest beer on Wednesdays at Cerebesa. <laughs> and hey, let's use that as our transition. Coming up next, we will talk to the owner of Sarah Vesa, Sarah herself. This is Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Interview portion for week five of Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. As you heard, we are out at Sarah Vesa on North Killingsworth, and we are sitting down right now with the owner of Sarah Vesa, Sarah Peterson. Thanks so much for having us out. Thanks so much for sitting oh. down with us as well. Well, hello there. Thanks for having me yeah. on the show. Absolutely. Um, so first question, since we've talked about this, I'm already... Bottle shops are so out of my normal realm of where I go and drink beer. <laughs> why did you choose to open a bottle shop, and why here? What was your thought process behind opening it here in North Portland? Well, I chose to open a, bo- a bottle shop it because I worked in the brewing world. I, I thought I was going to be a brewer, and when working in breweries, I quickly decided I didn't want to be a brewer. And the next best thing for me was to be to surround myself with as much beer as possible. Um, and I'd, I'd work in, in restaurants before, and so I understood what that was like, but I like the retail aspect of package as well. Mm-hmm. Why here in Portland? Well, why here in this neighborhood? Why here in Killing, yeah. uh, off of Killingsworth and Humboldt? I used to live in this neighborhood from 2002 to 2007. and Greatest neighborhood in Portland. <laughs> it's pretty darn awesome. It's gone through a lot of changes. But back then, it was really hard at 10 o'clock at night to find a six-pack of something that excited me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking about it was hard to find six packets here in Nevada Pale. Right. Um, 
which is still pretty darn exciting, I think. <laughs> we, yeah, that, but, that, but that's my beer for life. We talked about that <laughs> earlier in the podcast, oh, actually. Well, there you go. <laughs> I think we Confirm talk about that. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale at least once every other podcast. <laughs> well, you talk about it way more than well, I do. But it's a damn good beer. <laughs> you know, the, the funny thing is I, I have a hard time selling Sierra Nevada Pale Ale here because of the type of business we do, but I'll always stand behind one of the best beers. Um, so yeah, this neighborhood didn't have anything. So I always saw that as an opportunity. So I guess that, that kind of leads into my next question then is how do you choose the beer that you want to sell here? Because mm-hmm. you go to a brewery, it's all of their beer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have some visiting beers that are there, but it's all their beer. You come here, you have the tap list, you've got bottles and cans all over the place. It's Wednesday. So we're seeing all the deliveries come in when mm-hmm. we're recording this. How are you choosing what you want to sell? Right. Oh, it is a probably the most fun day of the week to to be doing this here yeah with all the beer coming in well we choose it the customers choose it we being myself i'm the beer buyer and i have staff that also um, provide a lot of information but more importantly the customers what do they want what are they looking for um and then i work with the distributors and the brewers and um, people in the industry that are that are always telling us what's available so you take all the information, you assess it, and you put it together and curate your selection. We have about 250 on the high count, 220 on the low count, different beers. Um, and we're trying to, we do try to keep our IPAs fresh. You know, anything that's volatile needs to be fresh, so it needs to be something that moves or that we're excited to test out and try. I also really like um, to give new breweries a chance, test the market. And I also like to um, make sure that if my staff really likes something, that we've got it here because they're going to sell it then. So you stand behind it. You're from, uh, you're from Wisconsin, correct? Oh, yeah, I oh sure yeah. I am. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's um, do that right now. I think, I think it's really, I think it's such a, Mike and I talk about this a lot with, with Oregon and the Northwest and the West Coast in general being, you know, such a huge, huge market for beer in America, especially when it comes to craft beer. Um, that to to not be from the West Coast and come out here and get into beer would be something that would like scare me from anyone else in America. But you coming from the Midwest, the Midwest actually has a pretty strong staple of craft beer. Do you think that helped in bringing your Midwest ideas over I, here? Because, because you I already because you already kind of knew well, that beer a, to a no, decent extent. No, I, mean, I I've been in Portland since two thousand, and and there wasn't a lot of craft beer in Wisconsin. In Minnesota when I left. That, that absolutely wasn't the case. So much so that I didn't drink very much beer gotcha. before I moved here. And it's when I moved here and kind of discovered what a microbrewery was and a craft brewery and understanding the depth of flavors. And I went to the horse brass and tried some things that blew my mind. And I learned what a bitter beer was for the first time out here. Uh, In so 2000, no. a bitter beer was a really bitter beer. It was a Bridgeport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so no, it, it was more a discovery period for me being out here. It, it definitely didn't come from back home. So my, my other question would be from that then is because I came from New Jersey too. I, I moved in 2011 and in a place that didn't have any craft beer at all when I left and I came here and it was it was such like an eye-opening experience for me. How do you get people in the door to kind of help those kind of people like both of us when we first moved here learn more about beer? Like what is it that, that you try to do to get those people to come back and experiment versus being, you know, 
maybe right. safe in the in the beer choice that they have. Hmm. Well, when I started, I, I very purposely positioned myself to be friendly to anybody, whether they knew a lot about beer or didn't. And I always made sure I have 10 taps and I always made sure one of them was hams. That was my domestic of choice. Um, and th the whole thought process behind that was if you didn't want to spend the extra dollar to learn about an IPA or a Belgian or a sour or something, you, you actually had something that would get you to sit down and start talking to us and hear about what we have. Um, probably about five years into the business, we got rid of that hams tap and we, we put in our own um, house, house beer from Breakside. Uh, cream ale from Breakside, and that is our uh, house beer now. But but I think that whole attitude still exists, where it's come on and come on in and try something. And if we don't have what you like, we don't have your Coors Light. Let us get you something that you might like. Is that what either, you? Either if it matches the price point, because for a lot of people it ends up being a price point. But if it might just be you know something that is marketed similar, or um, something that just matches the flavor profile. Is that the most important thing to you? about running a place like this is being accepting to all beer tastes because of just how many types of different people can come no. in here? No, I mean, if, if I, I, well, I guess accepting, we're going to accept you, whether, <laughs> <laughs> whether you have poor taste <coughs> in beer or not. Um, and please sit down and have a beer. Even if you hate it, please drink it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just because you like a domestic beer doesn't mean you have poor taste in beer by any means. Right. Um, you know, those are stellar beers. But, but what is important is is kind of that that openness you know that 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 hospitality and that that's something that's woven into my business plan and woven into my staff and just into my business model and i think that's important regardless if you're selling i don't know hats or beer right yeah it's one thing <clears throat> it's one thing that actually got me into coming to this place you mentioned staff and i think that's what's so important is that you is it is it is about information is that, you know, somebody that comes in that doesn't want to spend the extra dollar, that wants that hams, they're still going to sit there and they're going to listen. You know, it's something I love so much about your staff is they're going to listen to them, talk to other people about beer, different styles of beer, and then eventually after a while that person might be like, you know, I drink this hams all the time, but is there... <laughs> I don't know. Is there something else that I might like if I like this? Well, how, just how, important, on it yeah, how important is the informational side from a staff of a bottle shop to you? Would you rank it high, high, high in the middle? Well, when we first opened in 2008, I'd say it was high, high, high. But mm -hmm. now the customer base in general is just so darn smart that uh, I think I think it's a little less important. But by no means is it not important. It's we need to know our styles. We need to know what's going on in the industry. Um, just mainly to be a place that is a resource for whether you're a tourist or novice beer drinker or, or you're a serious beer drinker and you need to know where to go, you know, what brewery to hit. For those listeners, and this is me included as, uh, as the host too, is that don't know about this, how do you curate these relationships with the breweries and place orders and, and hold the relationships? Mm -hmm. How do you even start that process of being like, hey, I'm a bottle shop here. <laughs> There's lots of bottle shops in the city, but I want your beer. How does that kind of, that whole process work? Well, we started this almost 10 years ago. So it really is, we just opened our doors and there they were. I think it might be a little bit harder now because there is so much competition. But I think showing that you're serious about what you're doing and, and respecting the beer and just doing good business, right? I mean, I think the more you order, the more people want to talk to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> that means the more you sell, people yeah. want to talk to you. Um, and for us, it's 
how you sell beer is you keep customers happy and you make sure you got what they what they want. And you say the word competition too, and we've talked about this with craft breweries. Generally, there's a pretty kind of open door, like, hey, we all love each other, we want to support each other mm-hmm. atmosphere. Is that similar in the bottle shop world? Like, I'd do say you, so. That is? In yeah. my experience. Um, granted, I, I spend more time going to breweries on my free time than I do going to bottle shops. Um, but I haven't met a bottle shop I don't like. <laughs> That's good. That's kind of why I keep coming back. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm interested in that, although <clears throat> also kind of to follow up with what Mike was saying, is it is it even worth it for you to pay attention to what other bottle shops are doing? I mean, it's like what Mike was saying with the brewery. In the brewery culture, you know, all the breweries, they all support each other. They want, you know, each other to do well. We want to keep making great beer, all that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, we still do got to sure. sell our product. We still have to, you know, make our margins and stuff right. like that. Or do you focus really at all on what other pla- yeah. other places are doing? Or do you just kind of say, this is our model, it's been working, this is what we do? Or are you still pulling from other people? Well, I know what we want to do. And, and I do. I am looking at other what other places are doing when I'm going there. You know, there's there's a king of bottle shops. We're not a king, the king of bottle shops, so we're we're not going to try to sell every single beer there is. That's not our goal. It's to stay fresh, keep beers fresh that need to be fresh, and have a good good selection. But what I do look at when I go into other bottle shops, especially a lot of the little smaller, newer ones, is what's sitting on their shelf. Are there old seasonals on their shelf? Is that moving? Are they ordering right? Because um, I do think that one problem with a lot of the little bottle shops around is they, they have too big of a selection. Mm-hmm. And I think bigger doesn't mean better. And actually recently, we have we have two vintage coolers um, that are my babies. And then I did add a cooler a while ago. And that cooler, when it was on death row, I had to make a decision, replace it or not. And I decided, not to and it wasn't for any reason except let's keep our let's keep our selection moving faster you know let's we we order every week we don't need to order more let's order tighter better and that's the one thing when i go to other bottle shops i i I think a lot of the beer sits around too long Mm -hmm. um you know customers here now this wasn't the case years ago come in and check their dates on the beer and Especially the cans. I mean, That's every can has a born-on date. Yeah, and if you want to be relevant, those dates have to be relevant, um, at least for the, the type of customers that, that I have. That's actually a great point. I mean, we sit in here, and, you know, you've got your two coolers and, I mean, I guess two banks of coolers, I should say. And I guess I never thought about that. I never thought that your package selection is tighter. And I think, I think it's a testament because I walk in and... A, I can see everything really quickly, and I know I can find something quickly. Because like you said, it's about what's fresh, what's moving. We don't want stuff staying on the shelves. Sometimes it's overwhelming when you go into a place <clears> and it's just like oh, a totally. gigantic yeah. option of beers, yeah. and you're like, I don't Colors know what everywhere. to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you there, <laughs> for sure. And, you know, back to what do I buy, um, tying into that question and talking about keeping things fresh, the whole Sierra Nevada thing, one of the best breweries in the world, they're a brewery that I that I um, can't put the pale ale, for example, on my shelf because it is uh, fair to say ubiquitous or, yeah. you know. It's a grocery you, store beer. It's a grocery beer. store beer. And I, I, I can't have those beers here, per se. Not all of them work. I mean, some do sometimes. But if the goal is to move them and keep them fresh, um, I, I, I don't do justice to a great beer like that. That'll sit longer because a lot of people want to try newer, different things here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, a lot of these great breweries that we have and we know um, I end up not caring for those reasons. But it's only to respect the beer, I'd say. So 
You said 10 years you guys have been in business, right? In October. In October, 10 years. years. What has been the smartest decision you've made in those 10 years? And what has been the biggest misstep you've made that you've had to recover from as you've kind of learned your way to the point where you are right now? As somebody that comes to Cerevesa all the time, I'm so excited to hear your answer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My biggest misstep, I'll start with there because I've had this answer for so long and it's so dorky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I bet there's another one, but I'll I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, I should have been a little bit more upfront about it. But I, uh, when I started, I, I bought the wrong point of sale. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you bought the wrong Boring. POS. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Hey, they're called POSs for a reason. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. Is yep. same same one? Oh no, no. I've been. This uh, is my okay. second one okay. now. But uh, so that's a, that's a really boring question. But I am a I am a you know entrepreneur. I have a small business and and. You know, maybe that's my bigger my bigger fault is that I, 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 I don't know business and, and I don't know, is it a mistake that I went into business? I don't think so, but uh, I've definitely floundered over some of the basics as this <laughs> time's gone on. <laughs> that that one was just the most expensive and laborious to fix. Um, and the other question is... Just the greatest uh, decision you've made there that kind of pushed you forward in a right. more successful way, I guess. Right. I, I don't know if this is a decision, but it was a realization when I opened up um, well, first thing when I opened up, I, I, I didn't really o- realize I was opening up a bar. Um, and I built this place and I built the, the bar with the stools. And, but to me, I was building a community space where people could learn about beer. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that whole like mindset was probably a, a great um, way for me to think about it. Because it wasn't until I opened up the, the first day and customers started coming in. They started sitting down. I was like, oh. Grandma, this is a bar. <laughs> oh no! Oh yikes! I, I didn't realize it was. I don't. I, and, and so I think uh, that whole like frame of mind is is, is a place where community can gather. Um, I've been to a place before where when we when they first opened, I went in. And they were like, "Yeah, we don't. We're not really planning to be a bar. We just want you to come get some beer." <laughs> They're just a bar now. Right. Like everyone comes <laughs> in and drinks there, and they hang out for hours. And they had right. to very quickly adjust their their mindset. Right. Yeah. I mean, this took me about five minutes after we opened. I was like, "Oh <laughs> shoot." <laughs> well, I'll, I'll I don't know how to rebound from this. <laughs> l- let me lead into this question then. Um, and you said you have experience in restaurants. Not many bottle shop tap houses in this town do food. Right. Um, did you, and food can be costly. I mean, I'm a restaurant kid myself. Food has such a larger overhead. Was food always going to do food? Never not going to do food? Or was there ever always, a time where you were like, maybe I shouldn't do food? Or was it a necessity for you? Always, always going to do food. Is that the Midwest oh, in you? Uh, I think it's somebody who likes food and appreciates food. And, and when I came to Portland, I think my eyes were open to, to how important it is. Um, or what the big difference is between well-prepared, thoughtful, loving plates versus let's just eat this pile of noodles and mayonnaise, yeah. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and drink whatever. Um, so it, again, it was that, that idea of like, let's be really thoughtful and, and provide a place where you can sit down and be comfy. That makes sense. I mean, we chatted with John Harris in our first episode and we were asking him because some of his food is some of the best food in the brewery scene in brew Portland pub, yeah. of brew pub food. And he was just like, we wanted to push the envelope, you know, like, sure, you can still get your burger and fries and your normal pub food. But because the Portland food scene is so great, we felt that it was almost he felt it was almost his duty to have great food. Yeah, well, if, if he basically said what you said. He goes, that was never a question. We were going to push the envelope with food because we know how Portland, the Portland food scene works. 
Uh, absolutely. And in 2016, back to one of the better decisions I made was to remodel my kitchen mm-hmm. and um, put more toys in the kitchen and become a full kitchen. After eight years, we were, we were, we were just working with an oven. Uh, and that really upped our game for sure. Sarah Peterson at Sarah Lisa, named after herself a little bit there, mm-hmm. on North Killingsworth in North Michigan. Come check them out. It's a really, really cool spot. And uh, thanks so much for having us out. Football Thank season's you. coming up. What's uh, what's a Packer oh. Sunday look like uh, here? Go Pack. <laughs> I have heard that you guys are lying out the door love on that. Packer bar. Huh? cheese heads, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to give you fans. a little love on that. I mean, well, that's the word I was going to say. What does it look like? It just looks like pure love. Yeah. It's just pure love. Just a bunch of people. Cool. Just a bunch of people in green and yellow. And cheese heads. Special. And yelling at football on the TV. <laughs> it's actually a pretty cool environment. I've been in a couple times, and every time I'll come by, it'd be like a Sunday. You used to play in a kickball league over at Peninsula Park, <laughs> and it was like, oh, dang, it's Sunday. I need to grab some beer. I'll just swing by Cerveza, and then I walk in, and it's like, oh, no, the Packers. <laughs> just, just, just walk in, grab whatever, just reach in a cooler, right. grab something, and get out of here. We have those Packer <laughs> magnets, you know, the, the schedule magnets. Um, we have them every year, and for so long it was just for the Packer people so they knew when to come with the West Coast timing, and now I've realized this, this year it's a lot for our regulars, so they, w- they know when not to come. <laughs> <laughs> Dual purpose. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for having us out. Really appreciate it. Equally. Coming up next, Beer of the Week as we wrap up Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. It is time for Beer of the Week. Number five. We've already done five of these, and it is my turn this week. Your turn. And I saw the look on your eyes when I pulled these cans out of the trusty lunchbox I brought with me. Uh Uh-oh. And I was a little bit shocked because I was like, you know, I'm not going to pick a dark beer. I'm going to go with something that I had recently that I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my favorite neighborhood local sort of like half-chain, half-not-really-chain restaurants by where I live is Thirsty Lion. They make a really mean burger, and they have a really, really good tap list there. And they've got seasonal section was out. They're also a big soccer bar. They are. Yeah, I like that. I I like that a lot. I always like to try one of the seasonals because we've Mm -hmm. been there so many times that I've had – I've exhausted their tap list. I've had almost all of them. And one of the seasonals this time that I tried was Fort George three-way IPA. I love Fort George. Mm -hmm. I didn't really read the description. I was like – Again, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. I'm trying to learn how to drink IPAs better. Yep. Trying to taste them a little bit differently. I was like, let me get this one. I didn't even pay attention to how it looked when I got it. A little bit darker in there. I was starving. I was like, let me just, I'm going to have the beer with my food. I totally thought you were going to be like, it was a little darker in there. I was stoned, (laughs) and I had no idea what was going on. No. No, we were uh, starving. Okay, okay, starving. My wife and I have purchased a home, and we had just spent hours couch shopping. So I was incredibly hungry and waiting for food. I'm like five years older than you, and you're so adulting way harder than I am. So much adulting. <laughs> There's lots of adulting going on in my life right now. It's actually exhausting. But So I had this beer. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I didn't really read about it, but I was like, I'm going to make this beer of the week because I like Fort George beers a lot, and it's an IPA, and I want to surprise Patrick by picking something that he didn't think I would pick. And uh, I didn't think you'd pick this. I took this out of the lunchbox, and you went, oh, you picked that beer. <laughs> you would pick three-way. It, there you go. So it's the Fort George three-way IPA is the beer of the week this week. And um, why did you react that way initially? Uh, I think it – well, oh, man, I don't even know where to start. Um, mostly because I did not expect you to pick that. Because it's a hazy. Uh, and I didn't realize it was a hazy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. But isn't that a good thing? Because we just talked about how we're not big hazy fans. And when I drank this, I didn't get 
any of the negatives of the hazies that I've disliked. I think I think part of what surprised me too is this beer. I think the first batch came out in June, and it's always <clears throat> you know, and I can get into the history of three way if you like. And it came out, I believe, in June, and it's always a huge popular thing. Like three ways, always something. It's one of the beer releases I think people get look forward to the most throughout the year because it's they've been doing it for so long, uh, and because the last couple of years have been hazies and my you know distaste for hazies. We're in August now, almost September, and I was like, oh, the three way craze is almost over. Nice, I made it. I got through it this year because usually I like three ways. I'm just not. I'm just not the biggest hazy fan. Well, and then you opened that up and pulled them out, and I was like. Oh, it's back. <laughs> you can't escape it. Well, here's the thing. I like the cans a lot. I always like yeah. Fort George's artwork on their mm-hmm. cans, so that kind of was a cool cool little plus for me. And um, like I've talked about in the past, I get my beer from, like, New Seasons. Mm-hmm. And on the fly, because I was gone for the entirety of last week, like I talked about earlier in the podcast, I was in Vegas for a week. I, I was like, I just got to get beers. I don't know what, what I'm going to pick for beer of the week. Right. And I was like, I bet you New Seasons has three-way. I couldn't find it. I was like looking through their entire can selection, which they've now expanded uh, a, a huge amount. And finally, in the top right corner, I saw it like turned backwards, so I couldn't see the name of it. And I was like, "That says Fort George Seasonal." And I turned it, and I was like, "Yes, yes. I got the beer I wanted." So here we go. I really enjoyed it, and that's why I picked it as beer of the week. Yeah, I'll give you some some quick history on Three Way. Uh, Fort George has been doing this, I want to say, for about uh, five, six years, something like that. And what they do is they reach out to two other breweries. And um, they basically collab on an IPA of some sorts. Uh, this year is Modern Times and Holy Mountain. Modern Times is a, they just opened a new fermentorium on Belmont. Uh, they are a San Diego-based brewery, although I think they have like three locations in the L.A., San Diego area. And then Holy Mountain is a small brewery uh, in Seattle that uh, they special. It's really funky that they got in on this because they specialize in a lot of like saisons and barrel-aged stuff. Uh, but it was kind of cool to see them dabble into into an IPA. And so they've done this over the years. Um, I think most notably, most people's favorites was the uh, Boneyard Block 15 collab, uh, maybe f- three years ago, four years ago. And then uh, the one, one of them that I really enjoyed, what's the one I really enjoyed? I liked the uh, Barley Brown Melvins from two years ago, and I think last year was Great Notion and Rubens. That was a huge hit because it was kind of at the beginning of the haze the big-time haze craze here in the Northwest. And so when they got together with Rubens and uh, Great Notion, it was when, when we heard Great Notion, it was like, oh, clearly they're going to do a hazy. Right. And that kind of pushed them, and they kept with the hazy train. And now they're here with Modern Times and, and well, uh, Holy Mountain. And That's fascinating to me that they actually – change up the breweries they're doing it with every year oh yeah they don't do the same that's cool that's like it's a, really rad i think that's why you said oh you made it through the season of three-way i think that's why people like the idea of it so much mm-hmm. is that it's always a different beer which i didn't know was going to be a thing and i think what we've what we've started to notice them doing is is that they've they've taken they it's them and then of the other two breweries they choose they choose one that is kind of known like doesn't have to be established necessarily but it's like great notion everyone knew who great notion was a year ago when they did collab with three-way but not many people knew who rubens was which is a small brewery in seattle one of my absolute favorite breweries in the northwest and then this year it's the same kind of thing modern times comes into town they have a presence in california we've seen their product here in portland for a while now uh so they're kind of ishish established sort of thing and then they grab this tiny you know saison barrel mountain or a barrel aged uh 
project up in Seattle, and they're like, hey, I also, you know, it gives Holy Mountain a little exposure because you asked me, you were like, I don't know what the other Never brewery is. Before. Yeah, and I was like, oh, those guys, yeah, yeah. But it, it allows people like Holy Mountain, Rubens, I would even say Melvin uh, two years ago because even though they're a huge brewery in Wyoming, they were new to the area, uh, and everyone knows Barley Brown's. So it's kind of they've they've started to use that that third brewery as kind of let's give some love to a smaller up and coming that we all respect and enjoy in the game. Hey, that fits exactly what you talked about in the first episode. How craft beer supports itself, mm-hmm. supports mm-hmm. each other. It's a way to give love, and Fort George is huge, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not even in Portland. It's just a huge brewery in, in the Oregon scene, and I'm assuming the Northwest beyond this. I'm I'm not sure of its scope, but it feels like it's a big a big deal, and um, and yeah. So let's taste it. I uh, I got the smell from it already, which. Uh, first, first, it's pretty light. First, I want to talk about the color. Okay, go for um, it. It does is, look like orange. <clears throat> a little it, is, bit. it is very orange. Um, there is some slight head retention, not a ton of carbonation. Um, it is not opaque and chalky like uh, like some hazies can be, um, but it's also not as dark and, and, and deeper as some other hazies. It kind of hits right in the middle. Um, it's a little opaque, but not too terribly. Um, I'm having trouble discerning a smell to it maybe because well you know there's all the smoke that's in the air and <laughs> my nostrils are burned to to crap but uh the the front of this is fully orange i taste the orange immediately and i love orange and i love orange juice so that orange is orange is my favorite color fruit candy high fructose everything wow yeah interesting like, i don't know like orange soda is my favorite soda orange the fruit is my favorite fruit i do well so orange juice is my favorite juice and I have to have a glass of orange juice in the morning or I'm a cranky SOB. Do you do it after or before you brush your teeth? Uh, before. There you go. Because after it tastes awful. Brutal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, But I like grape candies a lot. Oh. But I prefer orange soda. Gotcha. Grape soda. So that's my, that's my thing. But I taste a lot of orange immediately. That first sip is all orange. When I'm I, just having trouble getting a smell from it. When I smell it, I do get some. I mean, I, I, do, get, I do get the orange, you know, the juicy smell and aroma to it. But I, I, I also smell some hops in this. Um, I smell some vegetal kind of matter a little bit that's kind of got a nice aroma to it. I mean, you got to kind of search deep. I think that's what's kind of tough about this style is that it's hard to really it's hard to really separate the flavors and the smells that you're getting because they're all kind of mushed together into one to create this style. Uh, so it can be tricky. I don't blame you for being like, ah, I can't smell anything. But yeah, I do get the orange in the beginning. Mm-hmm. That's like the... That is the prevailing flavor I'm getting throughout the beer. There's a lot citrus and orange, but I mean, I, I call it orange just because that's what I'm finding. But um, citrus all the way through, and then I get a little bit of the bitterness from the hops at the end. Um, middle kind of is the same as the front for me on this beer. It's, it's citrus, it's orange until you get to the end, and then you're like, okay, there's a little bit of bitterness there to, to want you to get, go back for another sip and soothe that a tiny bit. Yeah, I do. Um, they've This is... I don't know. They've they've probably done three or four batches of this. I could could be more. I could be mistaken. But I remember the first couple batches I was not a big fan of. Um, I thought it reached too far to the end of the spectrum of hazies that I don't care for. This you you nailed it. This does have some residual bitterness in the end. It it's weird because it's more of like it's very tart. Yeah, it's more of like I don't know how to explain it. That the bitterness is more of like when you eat something that is bitter. As opposed to like a hop bitterness. I don't know how to explain really the difference, but I'm almost thinking like 
Like there's a hop bitterness, and then there's Angostura bitterness that you would put in like a Manhattan sort of thing. There's like, a hot. I mean, maybe not bitter, but there's a hop bitterness, and there's like a lemon sour kind of thing. There where you, you go. Get a different flavor from it. There you go. And that's it, but it's part of the citrus flavor too. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of getting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to all these, I wish I could get more bitterness. <clears throat> I wish I had more hop flavor to it. I just know how much hops are in this beer, and for how much hops are in this beer, and not getting as much as. Not just this beer; it's it's the style. It, it's that's kind of why the the style is a little tough on me, just because like hops are sure hops are so bountiful, but hops are so expensive. And if you're gonna use that much hops in a beer, and I'm not gonna taste a ton of it, that's where my brain kind of goes like, ah, what are we doing here? Uh, so that is our beer of the week for week number five of the Beers on Us podcast. It is the Fort George Three Way IPA. I guess the season is coming to a close with that, so get it before it goes away for. For the season, yeah, and you should uh, be able to find some. I mean, we're here, you know, like we said, we're here at Cerveza right now, and you can you can grab some. I think they got some here. I mean, any bottle shop, new seasons, you should be able to still find some. Absolutely. So, uh, thanks so much for listening again. Wherever you found us, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. You'll get the podcast every single Thursday at around four p.m. And uh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch twenty seven. Patrick's at PDD085. We tweet out the podcast. It's also on TennyToTheFan.com and on Google Play as well as iTunes, so you can find it there. And uh, if you have any beers you want us to try or places you want us to go or suggestions for topics, don't be afraid to, to shoot it to us on Twitter, and we'll, we'll take it into account. I've, I've already talked about this. I've made a little list on my phone of things we have to get to and places that have reached out already. Uh, so we'd love to, to chat about all the stuff that you're interested in because, frankly, you're the listener. Yep. So whatever you're interested in, let us know. And uh, we had some people last week. I was really I thought this was kind of cool. They they tweeted me their first craft beers that they had. Oh, fun! After our introduction podcast that launched, and uh, I thought that was kind of cool, just to kind of see the journey of somebody else or a couple other people based on what they listened in our podcast. So yeah, please interact with us. Let us know your stuff. You know, if you're listening and we talk about something, and I mean, if you disagree, please reach out. You know, conversation is kind of how this is all born, and so oh, we, we love hearing from you guys. Uh, opinions are opinions. It's cool. You can yeah. have your own, and we can disagree, but it's still everyone's got their own taste, right? It's better than talking about politics, right? Always better than talking <laughs> about politics. So next next week on the podcast, we are either going to do one of two things. We are going to do our fresh hop podcast very soon, as that season is. I believe kind of underway. It's it's getting close. I know that we have some fresh hops showing up. Uh, well, I guess if the podcast drops on Thursday, showing up uh, today, so uh, we could uh, we could be seeing fresh hops at least from Breakside pretty soon. I know Ex Novo's got some fresh hops already. I think they've already got some of theirs in. They do an Elliot that's always fantastic. Um, but we'll start seeing them. It's the so end of August. It's either going to be that next week or our second podcast takeover, which we are attempting to do. Bit of a distance from where we are right now, but in Corvallis, Oregon, at Block 15 Brewing, and they have an amazing beer called Sticky Hands, yeah. which I actually bought uh, a four-pack of a can, the four-can thing, and I drank that before we left for Vegas. Ooh. That was the only time I'd ever had it was when you brought it for me. Mm-hmm. That beer is freaking delicious. That beer's great. I'm excited to go out to Block 15. Hopefully, we can make that happen. Um so that's either next week is going to be either one of those two. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. A uh, big shout out to Sarah and Sarah Vesa for letting us sit in down here and sitting in with us. Uh, I mean, I'm personally biased. I mean, this is kind of my home from home. So I love hey, this place. Works out for you. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Deuces.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.